Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, we come before thee this day, O Lord God, to study your word, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, O Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord God. Speak to them in your own special way, O Lord. I pray that their eyes are open, their ears are open, and their hearts are open to understanding your words today, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I give this time and this space entirely over to you, Lord. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God again. I'm glad you could join us here today. And at the outset, let me just say, if you don't have your Bible, why don't you hit pause, go and get your Bible, maybe a little piece of paper, a pencil, a marker, something like that to mark up your Bible as we go over your words. Uh, As I always say, it's so important that when we're listening to the word and reading the word that we take notes. It's like you would in school because you'll be surprised how these words and the highlights that you've made will come back to help you later on as the issues of life just rise, as they usually do. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to talk today a little bit about um, things that are important to us as Christians and what we should be holding to be important uh, in our Christian walk, in our day-to-day lives. Uh, Some things we should consider to be uh, really important that we wind up taking for granted many times, and we don't really think about it or give much thought to it. Do we think about and do we consider the importance of attending church? Okay, let me just ask that again. Do we think about and do we understand the importance of of attending church? Or is it just kind of a routine thing for us where we do it occasionally and this and that and so forth like that? Do we think about it? Okay, we don't often think about or realize the importance of attending church from God's perspective. And after all, in our Christian walk, that's what is important to us. What is God's perspective of what we should be doing? How does God view our lives? And what does he want us to do? What should we be doing that we sometimes overlook? And and it's the the same thing for all of us. I mean, I'm I'm still human, obviously, and you're you're human. And we have times that we maybe overlook things or we're so so caught up in other parts of life that we kind of miss and don't have time to meditate and think on what is important to God. What is it that I should be doing? Uh, that is important to God. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about that today. And let's go to, uh, start off by going to Hebrews 10, verse number 16. Hebrews 10, verse number 16. Okay, and it starts with, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Hold on to that, your profession of our our faith. We must be be so so careful not to let it go, not not to get slack, but to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. 
not forsaking, underline please verse number 25 here, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching, as you see the day approaching, okay? So there it is right now. There's, there's a very important instruction to us Christians as a part of our faith walk, we should remember. The Lord here is saying, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, it's very likely that you've heard this verse many, many times, okay? And you probably heard it over, especially over the last uh, few years. As the gospel continues to spread to every corner of the earth, the do not fake forsake assembling is an instruction that is not followed as much as it used to be. Yet it is still indeed necessary. COVID delivered an unexpected consequence with lockdown that resulted in many not attending church. We all remember what happened to that. Okay, you were forbidden to go to church. They say that, oh, you know, in, in churches when they're singing songs, they're spewing out possibly COVID. Okay, when they're gathering together like that, the other places were open, but the churches could not. Many of us, many of us, okay, because we couldn't go to church, after a while that became very comfortable with us, you know, being at home. We had many ministries, just as, as this one is, you know, with, with sermons online and so forth. So people got, became very, very comfortable with being at home. Okay? If bad weather, snow, rain, or whatever, if it was too hot to go out, you're very comfortable with just getting up and staying in their pajamas and watching a ministry online, okay? because that was what the governments were saying that we had to do. So it became very, very convenient. Okay? But it says there, it says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Right? Now, even after things got, quote, unquote, back to some sort of, of, of uh, normalcy, Many people still have not returned to church, okay? And it is very much needed today for us to be in church, to us be gathering together. That's what I want to get in today because many times we just take the ability to gather together as something, you know, we just kind of take it for granted. Many times we don't even think it's important. If I can just watch a ministry on TV and read the Bible on my own and pray on my own, then there's no need for me to go to church. Why should I have to go, to go through that? The problem still exists today with not many returning to church because we have become so comfortable at home. Now, according to the word of God, why is assembling necessary? Why is it necessary? Paul says it in the verse, much more so as you see the day approaching. The day that he's referring to there is the day of Jesus' return. We ought to think about this verse even more so as his return draws near. We see what's going on in the world today. Everything is just so upside down. Everything is so backwards. What's right is wrong. And, you know, what, 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 what should be right is indeed wrong. And what's wrong is indeed now considered to be right. You know, there was a, a, a just recently, um, the, the, there were some, uh, some folks that were gathering, gathered in a, uh, uh, near an, an abortion uh, clinic. Maybe you, you heard about it. And uh, they were just a handful of people. Some were youngsters. There was one woman there who was in her 70s. And they showed, they showed the video. They were standing there with their hands praised, and they were just praising God and singing songs. Okay, obviously they were pro-life, okay? The authorities didn't like that. They, became, they got arrested, and now they're facing possibly 11 years in jail, okay? Whereas look at all of the other things that are going on, going on in the country, all of the other riots and things. I mean, physical, violent riots, and the people don't get arrested, nothing happens. What is wrong now today is considered right or is permissible. 
and what is right in God's eyes is now considered wrong. Okay, so we have to look at the day of Jesus' return. And we have to make sure that we're living our lives as best as possible in line with God's word. And one of here is his instruction to, uh, um, to, to, to uh, gather together in worship. Assembling happens not only in churches, please understand, but also in home-based churches. It happens in small group settings and gatherings with other believers. There is wisdom and warning. Let me say this again because I want you to get what I'm, what I'm about to say. There's wisdom and there's warning in God's word. To gather, to gather more as you see the day approaching. Okay, there's wisdom and there's a warning in that. It is critical that we do not forsake assembling together as we move further into the last days so that we are strengthened and protected. That's wisdom. All right, let me say that again. It is very, very important for us not to forsake the assembling together as we get into these last days, as we see the, the, the day, you know, Jesus' return approaching. Now, this is wisdom. The warning comes in because it says that, and there will be spiritual forces that want to prevent us from assembling. Okay, that's the warning. Okay, now understand that. There are spiritual forces, forces of darkness that are out there that would prefer for you to stop attending church. Okay, uh, he would prefer, the devil would prefer for you to stop gathering together in worship like that. And there's a good reason, all right? and we'll see more as we get into this message today. There are a number of reasons to assemble or meet together. As the NIV Bible translation says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is what the, how the NIV uh, puts it. The biggest reason we are not to forsake assembling is because it is God's instruction for divine protection. Now, we never think about that. That maybe God wants us to assemble together because there's some protection in that. So what is meant by that? What, why is that God is so, is so, well, God loves us, first of all, and God wants us to be protected at all times. You see, see, but God sees some things and he knows things that he wants to pass on to us because many times as humans, we just simply don't get it. We don't understand, it seems, that, 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 that the devil is heck bent on destroying us. And one way of destroying us, the best way is to get us separated from God, to let us not be aware of, it, of his strategies and what he's trying to do to, to get us away from God, to keep us from getting together, in this particular case, to keep us from uh, uh, um, gathering together. One simple reason is because God wants us to, but there's other more deeper spiritual meaning behind God's desire to have us together. One Peter gives us uh, some more instruction. Let's go to one Peter 5, 8. Thank you, Jesus. One, one Peter five, uh, one. One Peter five, verse one. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Let me just pause there for a moment and just and not, not getting off topic too much here, but reading what it says there in, in, uh, in the second verse there. 
we we uh, we ministers and we we pastors here. We should we should really understand what God is telling us uh, here. Feed the flock which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but do it willingly. Right? We that are in ministerial positions and we have people under us as in terms of a congregation or a flock, we need to make sure that we're serving them the way God wants us to serve them. Okay, and that we're doing so not because we're making money or not because we're being coerced or forced to do it, but to do this willingly because this is what God has called us to do, all right? All right, which is among you. Taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, not for money. We don't do this for money, all right? If you're ministering to a, a congregation, I don't care how large or how small, you make sure you're doing it for all of the right reasons. God will take care of your financial need. God knows that we, we need money, you know, to, to pay bills and to keep a roof on our head, et cetera. God will do that. But that's not your reason for going into ministry, okay? So if you're a brother or sister that's in ministry out there and you have a flock that God has placed in your care, remember that. Remember that, okay? Not for filthy, filthy lucre, but of ready mind neither as being lords over, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. In other words, setting an example. You're not, you're not to be lording over these people that you're ministering to. You're like, like you're some God or something like that, you know, and you're so puffed up and everything, and that you're lording over, that they are less than you. Remember that you love them the way that God, you love them the way that God loves you, okay? Remember that. It is so, it is so, so important, okay? And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Okay, so just a little sidebar here. I don't want to get too far from, from uh, you know, do not forsake the gathering together, but just as a little sidebar, we need to remember that as ministers and pastors with people that are in our congregations. Verse number five, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, of, yea all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Another important thing. Don't just start getting, you know, get yourself puffed up in pride here, right? And even if you're not in a ministerial position, as a Christian, as a child of God, and because you know who you are, do not get so puffed up in pride. Remember, pride is what got, got, uh, um, is what, uh, got Lucifer cast out of heaven, okay? Pride is what entered into his being. We cannot let that. Jesus Christ was all about humility, all right? Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, humble yourselves, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. If you have your Bible and you don't have that underlined already, please underline that. It's important that you remember that. The devil is out there and he's creeping around trying to see who he can devour. Okay, And why does he do that? What does a lion do when he is seeking something to devour? He looks for the prey that is in isolation. Okay, He looks for the one that is the weakest, the one that is lagging behind the flock or the herd. I'm sure you've seen the videos on TV there, you know, where, you know, I don't know, I heard a reindeer or something like that or out there and oh, animals, animals, whatever they may be. And if you've got a baby or one that's gotten separated from the herd and whatnot, that lion will go and jump on that. Why? Because it's very vulnerable. It's by itself. It's in isolation. OK, and don't forget what we're talking about here. Forsake not the gathering together of yourselves. 
And here the Bible is saying that the devil goes, he's, he's seeking, you know, the word said to be, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may, may devour. The lion seeks and, and, and pounces on the one that is the most vulnerable and the one that is isolated. All right. So the word gives us a warning here. Do not forsake assembling because the enemy seeks to devour those that are in isolation. If you are forsaking the gathering together of yourselves, then you are left in isolation. You're not with other saints. You're not with other Christians. Then you are in isolation. Okay. And therefore you, you are very, very vulnerable to this devil who is the adversary here, who walks like a roaring lion, seeking who he may have made a vow. Okay. So, so that verse eight starts off by, by the way, by saying, be sober and be vigilant. Okay. So that means be, be, be aware. Be, be aware of what I'm saying to you today. Be aware of what the word of God is saying today and how you may be placing yourself in harm's way by forsaking the gathering together of yourselves, by not meeting with other Christians, by not assembling together. OK, so so there's good reason why God had like everything else in his word. There's good reason why God is telling us this. Do not forsake assembling. You know, the meaning is that the scripture is not only referring to Sunday worship service. Right? The scripture is not only referring to a Sunday worship service. This could include collective worship, praying, reading, teaching, hearing, and studying the word. The spiritual reality and need of do not forsake assembling is more than an official church meeting. It's referring to more than simply of the church meeting in your physical local church in, your, in the church building. It is a call, saint. It is a call to be empowered by God and live life together. As the body of Christ, we are to be living proof of a loving God to, to those who are around us. We're to be proof of that, okay? And again, if you go to Hebrews 10, 24, where it says there, and let us consider how we may spur, spur one another toward love and good deeds. Verse 25 also mentions exhorting one another, exhorting one another, all right? Spur one another, and that's the NIV translation, spur one another, you know, it means to incite or to provoke in, in the best sense, it means to incite or provoke others in love, okay? It does not mean loving just happens, okay? Loving does not just happens. Instead, we are to intentionally love those who aren't always lovable. Think about that saying. We are to intentionally love those who are not always lovable. I always say it's very easy to love somebody who is such a great person and, and just likes you so much and loves you so much. They bend over backwards for you. They do so much things for you. You know, it's very easy to love somebody like that. Okay? There may be someone in your life, someone in your family, you know, your, your spouse, perhaps even, you know, depending on where things are going in your marriage, where at times it's very, very hard to love that person. But the word of God says that we have to intentionally love those who aren't always lovable. We are to encourage them to grow in their faith journey. Okay? Those that are close to us, your spouse, your children, other family members, those on your job, perhaps, even you know, as the Holy Spirit so guides. We are to encourage, we are to encourage others, we are to encourage other people, you know, to rise to, to the level that God wants them to arise. Okay? We, are to, we are to intentionally do that. Exhorting one another means to, to strongly encourage. Do you encourage people or do you wind up discouraging them? God doesn't want you to be one that goes around discouraging people. We have to learn in our lives, saints of God, we need to learn to, to, to listen, to intentionally listen more. When someone is talking to you and is, is offloading something off of his or her chest, we need to listen. 
listen to what they're saying, try to empathize and try and feel where they're coming from. Okay. If you are in, if you are, are, are in, in, in robust disagreement with that, then you still, you ask the Lord to give you words, ask Holy Spirit to put the words in your mouth and how to talk to them. Okay. And how to encourage them and how to encourage them to get them to where you know that God wants them to be. We have to make sure that we're always doing that. Amen. If we go to Hebrews 3.12, Hebrews 3.12 says, Take heed, brethren, unless there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Take heed, brethren, unless there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Don't wait until tomorrow. Exhort one another daily while it is called today, unless any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Okay. So again, now here's another warning to us. And then God is telling us here that we take heed unless, you know, otherwise you run the risk of developing an evil heart of unbelief and you wind up departing from the living God. The devil would love that. Okay. And the more we let unbelief seep into our system and seep into our hearts and whatnot, then we wind up departing from the living God. We wind up praying less. We wind up going to church less. We wind up, you know, thinking about God less. And we wind up developing, you know, that kind of heart that becomes hardened. So the word of God says here in verse number 13, exhort one another daily. Again, that word exhort means to strongly encourage, encourage others around us. And this is one of the reasons that we cannot forsake the gathering together of ourselves. Okay. We need to encourage others. You will be surprised. Be surprised how many other, other, other saints, perhaps in your congregation or perhaps someone that you know are dealing with the same issues that you're dealing with. Okay. But if you're not fellowshipping with them, if you're not gathering together with them, you may never come to know this. One thing I have noticed in church over the many, many years is that the, 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 the oddest thing is not, it's not really odd, but I'm just saying it, it's kind of curious. I mean, I know why it happens, and maybe some of you do too, but you will be in a gathering like that and how it almost, almost, you know, uncannily, you know, someone starts talking to you about a problem, something that's going on, that's going on in their life. Could be very, very personal about relationships or anything else like that, you know. And you find this kind of strange. Jesus, why is this person all of a sudden talking to me about that? And if you're astute enough and you're sharp enough and you're well versed in the Word of God, you know that the first thing you should do is ask the Holy Spirit for the words. How should you respond? And you do, and then you wind up ministering to that person in terms of the need that they have or whatever's going on in their lives. Okay. And maybe you wonder, why is she telling me this? Why is he telling me this? It's because God wants you to say something. God wants you to encourage, to lift up that person. And that person may be going through something that you personally um, experienced. And then you can tell that person from your experience how you went through that and how God lifted you up and how you wound up becoming victorious over that situation. So you wind up encouraging that person. This is the reason that we need to gather together. Right? This is the reason. God wants you to share the wisdom that he's giving you through experience and all through, through the word of God. And maybe even if it's something you haven't personally experienced, Holy Spirit will have you deliver that message for God's own purposes and God's own reasons. God may want you to deliver that message of encouraging, encouragement. You see, so it's very, 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 it's important 
that we exhort one another on a daily basis. And it says there in verse 13 again, exhort one another daily while it is called today. While it is called today. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't put it off till next week. All right. If, if there's an opportunity for you to gather together with someone else, then you do that today. Do that tonight. If there's a church meeting going on, if there's a Bible study going on tonight, and, 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 and you go there. Maybe you haven't been there in a while, but maybe the Lord wants you to go there and to be with some other saints. Maybe there's something either that, that you can lift or encourage someone else, or maybe you can be lifted up and encouraged by someone else. And your presence being there will bring all of that into, into reality. Okay, so think about that and do that today. Again, we can see how assembling is God's instructions for divine protection. When we isolate and don't strongly encourage each other in our faith journey, our hearts at risk of hardening. Okay, when we don't follow that instruction, our hearts are at risk of hardening. And that hardening, of course, means that you become more and more cynical in your faith walk. Okay, you, you wind up slipping away. You wind up thinking that the things of God are not that important. You wind up putting everything, <clears throat> excuse me, everything first before God, everything first before maybe there's a mission that God wants to send you on. And that mission may not be some grand and big old glorious thing where you're going to pick up and go to another country on a mission. That mission may be you talking to your next door neighbor. That mission may be you speaking to your son and your, or your daughter in a very, very open and honest and candid way. That mission may be you speaking to your wife or your husband on something that the two of you are wrestling with and, and dealing with. Amen. Amen. So don't let your heart get hardened to the point that you shy away from doing that, where you push back on the Lord. You, you push back on that unction that you feel in your spirit there to do something. All right. Okay. So, so this is how that can creep in. So this is a warning to us where God is saying here, do not forsake the gathering together of yourselves. It's very, very important. So in short, Paul is writing to inform the church, do not forsake assembling together. So they are empowered to be the church. This is how we wind up becoming the church. We are the body of Christ. Don't forget now, saints, the church is not a physical building. Okay. The church is not the physical building. The church is we as the body of Christ, okay? okay. And our high priest, according to the word, is Jesus Christ himself. So the church is not the physical building. It's us. In order for us to be effectively the church, quote unquote, we have to make sure that we are not passing up the opportunity to gather ourselves together. Because first of all, that affords us protection, okay? Because if you're out there by yourself and you're not gathering together with others and, you, and, you, and you're not fellowshipping and you're not, you're not lifting up and you're not encouraging and you're not being encouraged, then you become weakened. And therefore, you are in isolation. And if you're weakened and in isolation, remember, remember the, the, the context of, 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 a, of, of a baby uh, elk or baby deer, you know, being, being uh, separated from the herd. And that baby is out there all by himself and the lion sees that baby and pounces on it very, very easily and subdues it and overcomes it. All right. Remember that we do not want to be in isolation. We need to make sure that we are doing what God tells us to do and we're not forsaking the gathering together of ourselves, of ourselves. Some of the other dangers of not assembling together is that discouragement, doubt and depression wind up setting in. Okay. See, when you're alone like that, then the problems that you have, the things that are troubling you in life, there's no one there to exhort you, okay? You see, you know, to lift you up, to encourage you, okay? Now, in the first place, you know, if you're alone like that, you're not following God's instruction. So therefore, you are, you are open to attack. 
open the spiritual attack because you're not following God's instruction. So if you're alone like that, you know, you know, that, that spirit of discouragement comes upon you, that, that spirit of doubt and then depression winds up setting in. Right? So this is, you know, no man is an island. You've heard that, that, that saying before. So if you wind up isolating yourself like that, then you're open to discouragement, doubt, and depression. Forsaking fellowshipping gives place to discouragement, doubt, and depression. These emotions multiply in isolation. When there is no fellowship, there is no stirring up of love or exhorting one another. Right? These emotions, they, they, they do not, um, uh, depression, doubt, and, uh, and uh, uh, discouragement, okay? It's, it's very, very hard for that to take place when you are indeed gathering together with other saints, when you're gathering with other Christians, okay? You may feel depressed about something at one time. It all hits us at one time. Oh, boy, this is happening again. Oh, Jesus, I just can't seem to get enough money together. One thing breaks down, and I get the money to fix it. Then, boom, something else breaks down. You start feeling discouraged, you know? I've been been praying about this um, position and whatnot, and I just don't seem to get it or whatnot. And then if you are not fellowshipping, you're not, you're not, you're not gathering with other saints of God, then you're missing the opportunity to be with some other saints who may have been through similar experiences as you and can encourage you so that discouragement does not set in. When doubt, doubt will disappear when you're fellowshipping with other people because if you start talking about what you're doing and you don't say, oh man, I just don't see how that's possible, gee whiz. Man, I, you know, I look on paper and I don't see how it's going to work out. Then another saint that is in that gathering will say, well, let me tell you something It will happen to me. I had this, that, and the other, and I didn't have this, and I needed this amount of money by such and such a date, and boom, God worked a miracle, and so forth, and boom. And then you wind up seeing there how that doubt will then will then be erased from your mind. Again, if you're not gathering, if you're not gathering, if you're not gathering, then that opportunity becomes very, very slim. Why? Because you're isolated. You may never hear about how that experience overcame, how that person um, had the experience of, of uh of, of uh, going through exactly what you're going through and how God brought them through, you see? So, so the pieces all sit to, fit together if you stop and think about what you're reading here in the Word of God, all right? These motions, they, 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 you know, they multiply if, if you're, in, you're in isolation. If we go to Ecclesiastes uh, 4, verse number 9, Ecclesi- I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes 4, excuse me, Ecclesiastes Four, verse number nine, and it says, two are better than one. You hear that? Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has no one, not another, to help him up. Let's read that again and you visualize what this is saying. Two are better than one. That means you don't be by yourself. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if one of you fall, if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. All right. So if you stumble and you fall and you're with someone else, there's someone else there to lift you up. If you're in isolation and you fall and for some reason you are not able to get up, then you're not physically able to get up, then you simply cannot get up. We've all seen those commercials, advertising, what is it, maybe Life Alert or one of those things. And, and it shows someone that, that takes a fall on the, on the ground and she can't get up there. And, and thank God she had this little Life Alert device and she's able to say, help, I need help, and so on like that. And someone is there to help her. But this is a person that fell down and she was isolated by herself and she could not get up. So the Bible here is saying, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has not another to help him up. 
Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Okay. Imagine you're out there in the cold someplace, and you know you know the stories of someone someone being being trapped and out camping or whatever like that, and they wind up being trapped for some reason. If the two of them can huddle together in a tent, then the body heat keeps the other one warm. This is what this is referring to here. If two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? If one prevails against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not broken. And a threefold cord is not broken. Let's read that one again. If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. In other words, that's meaning a cord. You know, you, you take a rope or a piece of string, and if you've got three strands in it wrapped around, it's very hard to break that particular piece of string. Whereas if you have a, a piece of string with only one strand, you can pretty easily break it. You take, take that, same, that same string and wrap it or intertwine two other strings with it, so now you have three strands. It's more difficult to break it. This is what this is saying. Again, it's illustrating you being in isolation. You're much stronger, much stronger when you are with others, when you get other saints, of course. You're not going to draw that strength in God's, in God's ways by being, by being uh, around and gathering with people that are non-believers or unbelievers. This is talking about gathering together of the saints, people in the body in Christ. We're not to be fellowshipping with darkness now and thinking that we're going to find strength by gathering together with those that are sinners, that those that are unbelievers, that those that are non-believers. This is not what God is saying here. This is gathering together of us saints, okay? Forsake not the gathering together of yourselves, all right, meaning us saints, okay? But again now, so therefore, this is saying here, the Bible is saying that two are indeed better than one. Another danger in isolation is that the power of prayer is hindered. The power of prayer is hindered. Personal prayer is absolutely critical in our relationship with Jesus, of course, but the Bible is clear. There is also power in corporate prayer. In other words, gathering to be on one accord. Gathering to be on one accord, all right? Right? When you're gathered together and you're praying, then we are praying in one accord. At least we should be praying in one accord. When we come alongside each other in prayer, it is like incense going up to God out of an angel's hand. That's in Revelation 8, 4. It says that the prayers ascend up to God. Our prayers ascend up to God. Those of you who, who worship with me in church, uh, many times you may have heard, heard, heard me say that, you know, let these prayers arise to your heavenly Father as a sweet savor of incense to thy nostrils. Okay, All right. so together again, we're on one accord and we are praying. In other words, prayer meetings, prayers, pr prayer meetings, prayers over and for each other as a group. In a prayer meeting, you're praying for and you're praying over each other as a group of people. That's how prayer meetings work or should be working where you're praying for one another and you're lifting each other up and you are encouraging each other. And these prayers in that particular situation are precious and they're pleasant to God, just as the smoke of incense is at the altar. All right. Picture that for a moment. Picture that. There were times that we had some prayer gatherings and my pastor at the time then, he would hold these midnight prayer sessions and we would just literally, the musicians would be there with us and they would play a bit and then we'd stop and then just simply pray and pray and pray until he reached what he felt was a breakthrough at that time. And we were all praying together on one court, one accord for whatever the mission, quote unquote, was for that particular prayer gathering. And, and, and it's an astonishing feeling 
to have a group of, of saints praying together and worshiping and praying in the spirit and just feeling this prayer just kind of reach to a crescendo there and you feel presence of Holy Spirit there and everyone is indeed on one accord. It's a wonderful, it's an awesome feeling. Okay, so we cannot forsake the gathering together of ourselves. If we go to uh, Acts 1 verse 12, Acts 1, verse 12. We see that, um, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord, underline that please. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Okay, so there they were on one accord. That means that they were in agreement. They were gathering together there, and their prayer was very, very powerful. And because being on one accord, that being on one accord means that everyone is in agreement with the same object or, 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 or um, how can I say, the, the intent of the prayer. Everyone is in disagreement. No one is there saying, oh, I wish something else. I want something else. Everyone is on the same page, so to speak. This is praying and being in one accord. You can only do that if you're not forsaking the gathering together of yourselves. And we know from, know from this, is, this is Acts 1, we know that while they were there, if you go into Acts chapter 2, it talks about what happened. It says they were there in one accord, and then it's where the Holy Spirit came, okay? When the Holy Spirit fell, said it appeared on their, them as, as tongues of cloven fire, and they, they each, be, each started speaking in tongues. All right, so 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 this is because they were in one accord. It is so important for we as ministries, for we as churches, and within the body of Christ, to make sure that we are on one accord. All right, you'd be surprised at the things that I mean, it would take me hours and days to relate to you over the many things I've seen in my life over the years, being in ministries and whatnot, and, and how they they just so prospered when the when the whole congregation congregation could be on one accord for achieving a particular goal that they were praying for when they were when they were praying for a particular need that they had, they had to be on one accord. On like hand, on the other hand, though, conversely, I've also seen ministries get into grave trouble. Big trouble because of the fact that they were not on one accord. Okay, and it started with, with the elders and the ushers and others, some of, some others that were that were close to the pastor and so forth. They were not on one accord. Each one started developing their own agenda, and ultimately those ministries wound up falling. They wound up getting divided, and and some group went one way, another group went another way because they were not on one accord. So it's so important for us to gather together and to be on this one accord so that we can achieve what God wants to be achieved in our lives, individually, personally, and collectively as a body, as a body. Amen, amen. So in summary, Hebrews 10.25, in summary, as far as, you know, uh, gathering together, anyway, um, do not forsake assembling. It means that we are to assemble, but furthermore, it is a wise word written to protect us, to protect us from from the enemy, okay? And, And that's one of the biggest... God is such a loving father. He knows that, that, that you know, heard the expression, you know, there's, there's strength in numbers. Okay. While of course it's important that we pray individually. It is also important that we gather together to pray and be on one accord. Uh, if you just take yourself out of that mix of being on one accord and in a gathering together, then you wind up being in isolation. The minute you wind up being in isolation, the devil sees you becoming weakened. 
See, you're becoming weakened because you're missing out on the strength that is drawn from being around others because God said it so. You know, you start, you start losing that strength. Uh, you wind up being in isolation. Therefore, you wind up falling prey to him. And you don't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen. Okay? Right? We, when we assemble as the body of Christ, we are to stir each other up in love and encourage one another in our faith. Paul makes it clear we ought to do this even more as Jesus' day returns closer and closer. Okay? No one knows when that's going to be. No one knows when the rapture is going to take place. And aren't, I mean, it's, it's going to happen when God decides to, 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 to let it happen. Even G Jesus said himself that even he doesn't know when he's going to be told to return. The Bible says the angels in heaven don't know. No one knows but God the Father. So as this day approaches, the day comes closer, as the word says, God says, do not forsake the gathering together of yourselves. If you've been staying off from church since COVID and everything, or you've got some other reasons for staying away, get plugged back in. Get plugged back in. This is critical, especially in these times that we're living in today. Right? If for whatever reason, again, you know, it's very nice to just be able to turn on a, you know, a TV ministry or you know, pray by yourself, read the Bible by, Bible by yourself. But God wants us to do more than that. He wants us to gather together. So think about getting back into the habit of going. You'll feel so good once you just dust off your shoes and just get up and just go. You'll feel so good about going. Grab your Bible and just go and, 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 and let the praise and worship service get a hold of you. Let the sermon get a hold of you. Let the other brothers and sisters that are there get a hold of you and enjoy the move of the Holy Spirit in that gathering. In that gathering, don't let yourself remain in isolation. Do not at all. Okay. In order to do this, you know, we also. Also, we need to uh, we need to make sure that we return to God. That's another thing that is greatly missing in this country, missing around the world for that matter. We have to return to God. There has to be a desire to return to God. And with that, let's go to 2 Chronicles 7, 11. 2 Chronicles 7, 11. Okay. Two Chronicles seven. Oops. Two Chronicles seven. Eleven. There we go. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord. Remember, Solomon built the temple. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord, and in his own house he prosperously effected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among thy people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's what's wrong today. That's what's wrong today. Man has strayed away from God. Man has gotten away from God. And a lot of that is to do with the fact that we stop understanding the importance of assembling together. Okay. We have forsaken that privilege of assembling together before God. But God here is saying that 
if you, you know, when these things, if I shut up the heaven, there'd be no rain or command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people, that means like when bad things are going on, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves again, give up this pride that's out there so much where you think that I can solve all the problems myself. You know, or the government thinks they can solve all the problems for the people. They know better than the people. You know, they know better than us Christians. They know better than us children of God, okay? You know, the, 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 that pride that is in them, especially the pride among an, uh, the unbelievers, it, it's, it's amazing, you know, how much harm they are causing, okay? But God here is saying that if, if my people, you know, if they will, will return, forgive, uh, you know, return, turn from their wicked ways, stop the wicked things that they're doing, okay? And seek my face, that I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place, talking about the temple, that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. As for thee, if thou walk before me as David thy father walked and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shall observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom according as I have coveted, coveted it with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, form, serve other gods and worship them, and again, I say, okay, this does not mean necessarily that you've got little idols and little statues in your house that you're worshiping, but you put other things before God. Things are more important to you, you know, more important to you than going to church, more important to you than gathering to, together, you know, with others, with other saints, forsaking, forsaking the gathering together of ourselves. You put other things before that consistently, then that thing becomes a, 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 an idol, a God with a little G in your life. Because it's more important than God, right? So he's saying there that, you know, if you shall go and serve other gods and worship them, if you've got something that's more important than God and that's keeping you out of church, then you're worshiping that thing in essence, okay? Okay? And I see that so many, so many mornings when my wife and I are in the car and we're driving to church there, you know, and I pass people on the, on the road, especially in these, you know, on a nice summer day, nice spring day. When I, I see people out, you know, you know, walking their dogs or got their kids down in the park and everything, and we're on the way to church, you know, and we look at them and we say, boy, you know, and, and I pray, I say, Lord, I pray that maybe they went to an early, early morning church service, okay? Maybe they went to an early morning church, or maybe they're going to a later church service. You know, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. But it appears that so many people take Sunday to go shopping, you know, the malls are just, just crammed with people on, on Sundays, all right? Even more so than Saturday. It seems like people love to go shopping on Sundays. I see you know, on nice days, you see that the, the roads are full of people with traffic and cars. They're going someplace and often wonder how many are going to church. Right. So on that Sunday, you know, if, if it's more important to you to go to the beach or go to the park or to call up Aunt Tilly or to do this or do that, and you're consistently doing that, you know, then you are fors forsaking the gathering together of yourselves. Okay. Now, we all have to miss church from time. I mean, if you're sick, you're sick. Okay, I mean, you know, if you've got a cold, you don't want to go and, con <laughs> and contaminate the whole congregation, you know. I mean, if you're sick, you say God's on this, God understands that. But forsaking the gathering together of yourselves is when you are consistently doing that, when you're where in your heart of hearts, you're no longer feeling that it's important for you to gather together with other saints. Okay, that's when you're forsaking it. Okay. 
So God is saying, get back to what the word there is saying. Or, um, uh, but if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them and this house, which I have sanctified for my name. Will I cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house, which is high, shall be an astonishment to everyone that passes by it, so that he shall say, Why has the Lord done this unto this land, unto this house? And it shall be answered, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods, laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore has he brought all this evil upon them. Okay, you see? So so there's the, there, there's the penalty that God is saying here saying is to return to him okay return to him there's so much wrong that is going on in this land today in this country and other foreign countries far into this far into to the united states if you're hearing this and you are in in another country other than that that's what i'm referring to you know but but many countries many many christians in other countries around the world you know are, are facing some of the issues that we're facing here in this country too they may be to different extents and so forth but as far as us Christians are concerned, you know, the things of God are falling by the side, by the wayside. We have people that are rising up that are not into the Lord at all. And they're in powerful positions and they're making decisions which very negatively impact all of us. And a lot of that is because they themselves are pumped up in pride and they're so arrogant. They think that they can that, that they can call the shots for the for the entire world. They know what's best for us. They know what kind of food we should eat, know what kind of cars we should drive. They, 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 they know this better than that. They know this, you know, you, you can't even go, you can't, you can't go to a movie and see anything without something lewd being in it. I mean, the, the, our kids in school today, I mean, the things that they're trying to force feed them, this whole DEI thing, you know, where if you, if you fit the check boxes, then you're good for that job, regardless, regardless of the fact whether or not you're qualified, you know, you have the capability of doing that job and everything is coming out more and more and more. So the point I'm making is that we need the Lord more so than ever now. So God is saying, if you return to me, return to me and don't put other things before me, do not forsake the gathering together of yourselves that he can restore. He can restore. He can restore the blessings that he wants to give on us. Not only collectively as nations, but as individuals also. So we cannot, we cannot underestimate the importance of gathering together. Okay, do not forsake it, saint of God. And again, I just say here in closing that if you've fallen into a pattern there and you've kind of kind of drifted into a into into a stay-at-home worshiper and everything like that, and you're praying at home, that's good. You're watching church ministries at home, that's good. But as far as you getting out there, you know, and fellowshipping and worshiping together, we cannot forsake the gathering together of ourselves, okay? Because while you're sitting there at home, the devil sees you sitting there at home. And you're in isolation because you're not following God's instruction. You're in isolation. And if you're in isolation and he sees that you're in isolation, we read the scripture that he's like, he walks about like a roaring lion looking at who he can devour. He sees you sitting there in isolation, even though you're praying and you're reading the Bible. You're not following that particular instruction God had about gathering together. You're forsaking that. Then you are in isolation. Therefore, you are subject. You're very prone to attack. Don't get Satan doesn't want you to go to church. Okay. I've seen it happen so many times where I'll be preaching a sermon from the pulpit and then I notice that one particular individual is not there. 
it's like as I'm speaking the words, all of a sudden, you know, my mind's eye may. While I'm speaking, I say, gee, I wish so-and-so could be here. Because that person that is not there, that message is very much meant for them. Very much. But because that person chose to stay home, that person is missing hearing the message. Now, they may go back and catch it online, maybe, you know, maybe later on. All right. But, but, but they're missing on hearing what God wanted to expose them to by being there in person. Because that person chose to forsake the gathering together of ourselves. You see? You see? So don't be in isolation. You never know what you're missing. It may be a blessing for you at any given particular service. In fact, in fact, but still, it's the fact of being together around other saints of God, where Holy Spirit can move, where someone else can be, can be moved to encourage you, to give you a word of encouragement, to share with you a similar life experience where you will come to know that you're not in this thing by yourself. Or this just, this just, just didn't happen to just you. It's happened to other and another, another saint. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Do not forsake the gathering together of yourselves. Praise God. Hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, tell others where we can be found. We can be found at www.genesis1.sermon.net. www.genesis1.sermon.net. If you look at the top of the page, you'll see a uh, subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when another message is available. Uh, we're on YouTube. Just look for Genesis One Christian Ministries. We have free apps, free apps for Android and Apple devices, free of charge at the respective uh, Play stores. Just download it and, and, and uh, you can find the sermons directly uh, through that. And, and also, praise God, if you are in the Salem, Oregon uh, area, why don't you drop by to worship with us? Come on by and fellowship with us, okay? Uh, we have our uh, services are at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and we're in the Candelaria section of uh, Oregon, Salem, Oregon, and the address is 2651 Commercial Street South, 2651 Commercial Street South, and again, 10.30 in the morning. Just come on by, you know, we'll pray with you, pray for you, and and uh, worship with you and, and just enjoy one another's company as, as we fellowship, as we do not forsake the gathering together of ourselves. Amen. Amen. Everything here is free of charge. Just come on back by and you can download these sermons or you can download these messages, um, download the video or the audio only portion too, if you wish. It's all there to make it convenient for you. Amen. Amen. Praise God again. I hope this message was a blessing to you and let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord, and we pray that as we go through the balance of the day ahead, O oh Lord, we shall remember these words, O oh Lord. Keep these words deeply rooted, O oh Lord God. If we strayed away from you, Lord God, please forgive us, O oh Lord God, and, 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 and guide us, O oh Lord God, because we do not wish to forsake gathering together the way you've called us to do, O oh Lord God. We pray in the name of Jesus that as we take you up on your words, O oh Lord God, that you shall continue to guide us. The Holy Spirit speak to us, O oh Lord God. The Holy Spirit minister to us in, in his own special way, O oh Lord, because you know the needs, know the desires that's in the lives of every single listener that is here today, O oh Lord God. We thank you, Heavenly Father, and we praise you in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. Go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord.